Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, and I am joined by a special guest back from his long sabbatical, Mr. Nick Pollock. Nick, welcome back. How are you? I am doing great. It has been quite a while indeed. I don't think I've done a pod since before the Rose Bowl. We've been busy prepping to uh, shag fly balls for the Home Run Derby for the past nine months. Um, that is very true. So you've been very preoccupied uh, working on tracking down line drives. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Nick, welcome back. This is a a pretty obvious sign that the season is right around the corner. We're under like 40 days at time of recording. And this is kind of our last off-season centered show. We have our show list prepped out for our preview podcast coming up in the month of August. So Nick, you and I are kind of just going to hop on. We have a very, very, very rough outline that we came up with. Nick, what do you think? 17 seconds ago? Yeah, about that. So we we kind of know what we want to hit on, but we're just going to see see where the day takes us. How's that sound, Nick? That sounds great to me. I'm ready. Perfect. Perfect. So I guess to th- start things off, we kind of have to address uh, Big Ten Media Days. It's always a pretty, not fun event. You know, you never really gain that much as a fan from like what you can learn about a team from Media Day. I think it's more or less just a great way for like the national media to get exposure to your team. Uh, Nick, so it, it seemed like the biggest takeaway from Media Day was what wasn't said by James Franklin in that a starting quarterback wasn't named. Nick, personally, I don't care about this. Like, I, I don't think there has to be a starter named uh, really anytime soon. Do you care about it? Like, do you, do you think anybody should really read anything into the fact that it is currently, you know, July 27th and we don't know Penn State starting quarterback? Yeah, no, I mean, not in the slightest. Also, I think that the the main thing that happens at Media Day is they just get all the coaches in the same place so they can create those sometimes awesome and sometimes terrible Big Ten commercials where all the coaches, you know, say the, there are different things and whatnot, like the one where James Franklin's, like, picking out the white suit from, like, a closet line of white suits. Oh, those kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good call. Um, But as far as Drew Aller and Bo Perbueller are concerned, no, I don't could not care less that Franklin didn't name a starter there's he gains nothing from doing that in that setting um like it's it's not a secret that i'm sure drew aller is going to be the starting quarterback but i also think you know from what we've heard bo perbula has been impressive as expected like nobody thought that perbula was going to come in and be like a um surefire career backup like i think it was always expected that he's he'd at least you know put up a fight like he's a talented kid yeah, the kid can play. Um, yeah, and like in another timeline, I, he where he's prepping to be the starter right now. But there's just there you don't gain anything out of saying in mid July that this kid's a starter, this kid isn't. Even if they know, it's it it serves no purpose for really anybody other than somebody who feels who somebody who needs to create content basically. And arguably, you could create more content over the fact that he didn't answer. So. Yes. Uh, no, I, for I sure. really I really don't care at all about it, the fact that he declines to ever starter. Yeah, I've seen like takes on Twitter of it being like this is a sign that, you know, Aller's not that good or or you know, there there's not enough competition and I'm like that's just irrelevant. Like I I, I don't <laughs> think this is a big deal at all. Um, you know, we'll find out when the starter is when we find out. Like Penn State doesn't even release a depth chart anymore and they haven't. I since yeah. 
I think since like 2020, like I think COVID was the last time they stopped releasing a depth chart because they just didn't know who was going to be available. And I don't think they've done it since then. So it's not like there's that much value to it. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine waiting. You know, the, the season's only going to get closer. So that's was, I think, at least, Nick, the, the really Isn't it only... crazy how close the season is? So I know I'm very... But, by the way, just for anyone curious, the reason I've been gone for the last however many months is because in the spring I coach high school baseball. Um, my team did quite well this year. We finished third in the state. Um, excellent team. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, go, ba- go Bears. But in go honor Bears. of the Chicago Bears, are named after, I'm sure. Third place in the NFC North. Just kidding. They were in last place, but that's my goal <laughs> for this year. Um... But, so I've been doing that, and then I also, you know, I coach, I give lessons, I do stuff all year round. So I've been pretty busy with that and whatnot. But, um, boy, where's I going? Oh yeah. But so for me, you know, time's flown for by for you know a, a myriad of other reasons. But it was kind of. I just woke up this morning. I was like, Jesus, like we're what barely over a month away from football, which is crazy. Camp opens in less than a week. Camp opens, I believe, this coming Wednesday. Uh, I think that's going to be August 2nd. Like, yeah, it's absolutely insane how close the season is. And we'll give our, our preview schedule at the end of the pod just because we're, we're still mapping it out. But I think we've got everything pinned down pretty well. So there's going to be a good flood of content coming to you guys uh, from here on out. But Nick, anything else from Media Day really stand out to you? Like any other questions? I mean, as somebody who's been a bit busier than I this this winter and spring with with baseball uh like any other questions that you really still have about the Penn State team that were you were hoping to at least like hear some kind of answer on like specialists in there like again I really don't think there's media day isn't a place to answer questions it's a it's a place to plug your program um and I think you view it the same way but anything you know if you would have had a question anywhere you would have gone with anything at media day I mean I I guess when it comes to the team, the only real, not the only real question, but one of the questions I have that maybe I would have asked would be, you know, kind of, and it's kind of an unfair question because who really knows because they weren't practicing at the time anyway, but like, you know, just what, maybe what is like the state of the right tackle position? Like, Mm -hmm. do they like what they've seen from Caden Wallace? I know we got some really positive reports from him in the, uh, in the spring, or do they expect to see more Drew Shelton over there? So maybe something like that. Um, And then... I think a couple of questions I would have maybe asked about like the the coaching staff, I think is actually more interesting at this point. Like I maybe I would have asked something about the process that led to Dion Barnes getting the defensive line job. Like um maybe like you know, asking James Franklin, like when you started this process, like did you like was he high on the list? Because it it's I know at the time we were like, uh, I mean, this is kind of early. Uh, for him to get a job like this right away, but it all just kind of seemed to fall in place. I know there was like the pipe dream of somehow getting uh, uh, his name was Elijah Robinson Eli, from yeah. Texas A&M. Um, but, uh, so I guess I would have been kind of curious about that. And then I think the other thing would be um, just what is Franklin's overall comfort level knowing that this is going to be the first time in his tenure at Penn State that he'll have the same offensive coordinator for a third season in a row. I think that would have been crazy? interesting. Isn't it crazy? Mike Yersich is the longest tenured yeah. offensive coordinator. Is it since Galen Hall? Uh, I mean, it must be, right? Because OB called him for two years. Then it OB was two years of... Do- two years. Yeah, two years of Donovan. Two years of uh-huh. Moorhead. Two years of Ronnie. Sharaka. And year three of Yersich. Yeah, that's wild. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's also, it's also the first time that, well, all right, hold on. Let's, all right, let's reverse engineer this, I think. Is this the first time that it's been a returning offensive coordinator with a new quarterback, too? Because, like, when oh. Shiraka came in, that was uh, Sean Clifford. So, well, that was new. So, Shiraka, Shiraka sorry. Well, Clifford Shiraka wasn't returning, so he's he doesn't count this at all. Clifford, Ronnie, in 19. Yeah, Clifford, Ronnie, uh, in 19. But Clifford, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> wait. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Okay, so yep. my theory is bumped already. But um, regardless, it's... I I know we'll talk about this more, but I'm really excited for the possibilities of what can be with not just any third year coordinator. You know, we really like what Mike Yersich has done for the most part. So having him combined with a guy that he recruited, he worked really hard to get to Penn State. He's had a chance to work with him off the field a bunch now, finally stepped in the role. We'll talk about it more when we get to the quarterbacks, but obviously really excited about that. And I would have I would have been interested to hear Franklin just kind of riff on that for a few minutes personally. Yeah, on the staff point, I would have liked to have heard. I really want to ask, you know, who on the staff do you expect to be a head coach in the next five years? Like, I, yeah. I think Manny Diaz is probably going to be that. I think yeah. Point Dexter could be that. I think yeah. Terry could be that. Uh, Dion probably not. I, I don't think Troutwine can be that in five years. I don't know if Yersich wants it. Like, I, I'm just curious to see, you know, who on the staff currently should I be looking out for as the next guy? Because as the Franklin tree continues to grow, it's just interesting to watch all the different phases that all these prior assistants who are now head coaches, like Moorhead, pretty much bottomed out at Akron and Pry did the yeah. same thing at Virginia Tech. And now they're on the way back up. You know, Ronnie at Old Dominion is still trying to build that program up. Charles Huff won a bowl game in Marshall's first year in the Sun Belt. Like, yeah. they, Franklin has these guys in his coaching tree now who are starting to build programs in their images. And I'm just curious to see who's next in, in that list. So, you know, I, I'm tired of hearing about NIL. Like, I'm tired of hearing <laughs> about, like, the transfer portal. Like, I don't care about any of that anymore. Like, we're, we're under 40 days away from, from playing football. Like, I, I just want to know who on the field is a mind that can lead a program one day and what does that mean they're going to do for Penn State in 2023? Probably would have been Phil my primary philosophical question. Philosophical coaching tree question for you. Yeah, hit me. Let's say Manny Diaz and Mike Yersich are both head coaches elsewhere within the next three years. Do you count them as part of the James Franklin coaching tree? Oh, that's a great question. I think Yersich, I would. I think I, I think I would, I would have not to. count Diaz. I don't think you, that Diaz maybe not. Diaz probably not because he already kind of climbed the ladder. Yeah. Um, and now this is kind of like his rehab stint. Um, <laughs> Yurisich, I think you have to. Yurisich is an interesting one because, I mean, because like would because I'm sure Gundy would claim him as part of his coaching tree, right? I don't think Gundy knows who half of his assistants are anyway. Like, I'll be honest, I'd be stunned well, if that dude could name everybody in that building. But theoretically, yeah, he yeah. he would and yeah. probably and could. Like, I obviously like. Uh, uh, could Ryan Day? Not... Could Ryan Day claim him? I was just saying, was he under Day or was he under Urban? Twenty twenty, you know, twenty nineteen would have been there. Twenty twenty, he was in Texas because he got fired, and that's how he ended up here. 
So yeah, 2019, yeah. which would have been Day's first year. Um, oh boy, great podcasting. That's pre-COVID. That's like mid-se- 20 mid-se- years ago. Yeah, right, mid-season form. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, I no like whether it was Day or Urban. No, obviously not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's I don't know. It's an interest. It's an interesting one that just popped in my head as you were as you mentioned coaching tree. I was like. Like if Trout, I, I like, I would almost feel more, I would feel more sure if they had been guys that had been like position coaches and then elevated to mm-hmm. coordinator and then gone on. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Diaz, like I said, Diaz, absolutely not. Cause I think if, if you're a head coach somewhere else, I don't think you, I, I don't think you then become part, cause theoretically he's already part of a tree, whoever that would be. Right. Um, so I don't think he would be, but I guess Yersich would be. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if Yersich would. Be, I think Yersich likes calling plays too much. I don't know if he'd want to run his own program like that. I don't know. I don't know enough about the guy. That'd be. That'd yeah, be. I, I, that'd I be. See I would want to ask that. I guess I would want to ask. You know, who on? Yeah, again, just who on your staff do you think has those aspirations? I mean, we're kind of led to believe everybody wants to be that head coach, but there's like a ton of really good coaches in the sport who like just like coaching ball. Um, Bud Foster, I think, is a great example of that. That's a guy who didn't want yep. to deal with all the head coach stuff. He just wanted to coach ball. Like, I wonder if there's that on the roster anywhere. I'd just be curious with that, with that, or on the coaching yeah, staff. Yeah, I mean, me. if if anybody, like the the Poindexter one is an interesting one to me because Dex is going to be a head coach or not UNC. Like UVA was obviously like the like that's the job. Mm-hmm. Um. And now that it's kind of off the, I mean, theoretically, if it comes back around again, I would expect him to have a pretty lengthy, significant interview process. Well, he's um, he's the Diaz replacement, right? As the true DC. I mean, his, he technically has the co-DC title, but once Diaz leaves, whether that's after this year or next year, you know, Dex is going to be a very attractive option. Yeah, I mean, I guess it also depends, like, what whether or not Terry Smith wants it. Yeah. Like... That's true. If he wants it, you can't you can't say no to him. Like he's he's got the tenure, he's got the background, he's he's produced and he's completely remade what was a position that would consistently make me sad every year into maybe the deepest group <laughs> on the roster. Like it's hard to argue with that too. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I'd be curious what the thoughts what the thoughts process on for Franklin is on that. Nick, we won't we won't spend too much time talking about this. We have a bit of a game we're going to play in a little bit, but first things first, I want to make sure we thank our podcast sponsor, and that's our friends over at Home Field Apparel. Their new <laughs> Penn State collection dropped a couple weeks back, and I got my order in the mail. I had this awesome for our YouTube viewers, this Nittany Lion uh, cursive script logo, uh, which has quickly become one of my favorites. It fits me really well. I also got a pair of the joggers. Uh, that came out with a new collection and it was like 94 degrees here i think yesterday and i worked from home and i wore them all day because they were that comfortable i was really excited about it uh, and on top of these phenomenal items they also have a couple of crew necks sweatshirts they had an initial 15 piece penn state collection that launched last year and for our listeners you can get 15 percent off your first order with promo code roar lions roar that's all caps all one word at checkout if for whatever reason you are found this podcast and you also are a Yukon fan or a Slippery Rock fan, they also have those schools. They have a ton of other schools and they're always adding more. So again, our listeners get 15% off their first order with promo code Aurora Lions where I check out. Thank you to Homefield and Nick. Shall we play a little bit of a game? I would love to. 
So do you want you came up with this? Um, sure. So I'll let yeah, I, yeah, I, I will pass the reins to you. Yes. So um, as you may have picked up through the first fifteen minutes of this podcast, I really like baseball. Really big thing for me. Um, so in the spirit, do you like of the Seattle Mariners? Made, still, I love to hate and I hate to love the Seattle Mariners. They are mm. the the truest form of entertainment and sports that exists. The least. Okay. Successful franchise, probably in all of American sports, Sacramento and yet Kings. they have produced some of the truly most iconic players in the sport. At the same time, it's their God. They there's so many words to describe the Seattle Mariners that don't need to be said right here, though. Um, but in the spirit of the Major League Baseball trade deadline approaching, as we are talking now in four days, I believe, um, I thought it would be fun if we came up with some honest trade proposals within the Big Ten football landscape. So the rules for this were that Matt and I could not simply just say, hey, I want Marvin Harrison on my team on Penn State this year. Doesn't work like that. You have to actually create a legitimate, um, what you believe to be fair proposal. So I don't know for you, I don't know how deep you went into it, but I know when I was making my proposals, I was thinking about, okay, what does this other team actually need and have, et cetera. And yes. so I really tried to make it fair. Can I trade um, old Coley was my first question I wanted to ask. You can do whatever you want. Okay, that's a kicker then. Good to know. That's like the cash considerations is old Coley. Would you like to share your proposal first? Your first proposal? Yeah. So right off the bat, I'm thinking what is the biggest, I, I don't want flashy here. Like, I think Penn State's pretty set at the flashy positions. I, I like the quarterback. I like the running back. Nick, you know where they're really lacking, the Penn State team as a whole? Wide receivers? No, not even wide receivers. There's a, yeah. one thing that we really need, and that's a punter. Yeah. Penn State needs a punter desperately. I think that's the number one need at the trade deadline. Like a good bullpen needs a setup. <laughs> So I'm going to offer the Iowa Hawkeyes, hated rival, injury faking claiming organization. I'm going to offer them two wide receivers on our roster that are at least composite four stars. So anybody, any receiver on the roster for composite four stars, they can have two of them in return. We get Tory Taylor, the All-American punter from the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hey, that look. is my offer. I think we're selling high a little bit, but I think we can get Iowa to bite because I think Iowa believes that their offense is going to have a little bit of, of giddy up to it for the first time. I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think Clayton Ferentz has that in him based on the decade of data I have to go off of. So I feel confident that this will not come back to bite us in the butt later because I don't think Iowa is going to try to throw the football no matter how talented their receivers may be. And I know Penn State is going to need a punter to flip the field a couple of times a game. So that's my offer. I like the structure of the deal. I like your thinking. I'm not sure Iowa accepts that deal. Wow. Iowa values punting more than most people value anything. So I guess that's a good point. Right, and like even though they, I'm sure they have grand aspirations of being a better offensive team this year, but it's uh, it's not like Kirk Ferentz. I'm sure Kirk Ferentz at least understands that. Hey, when when I feel like it, I got I got to be able to run three oh. plays that I know are going to gain a total of four yards just because I want to pin a team deep. 
Listen, everybody I'm... everybody needs the security blanket. I get it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure they I'm not sure they hit accept on that trade. I think. I... So then what get what gets me over the hump there? What I'm already giving you not even like the three star guys. Like we get to think about this. We get to keep Dante Cephas. We get to keep Amari Evans. <laughs> like there's talent in that receiver room that gets to stay. It's not part of this deal. What's the you know kicker? You, what you what, know do, how you what get do I throw him? in? You know how you get him? How? I don't think you even worry about the receivers. Okay. I think you got to give him Catron. Give him what? I think you got to give him Catron. You think? Oh, I don't think I can do that. I I agree, but I, I think, think that's the, I think that's the cost. What if I counter, and okay. instead of instead of Catron, I give. Hey, what if I give analyst Danny O'Brien? A new mind in the room for the offense. He can coach on the field now to help Brian out. What if I offer an offensive analyst uh, who has, you know, worked with Franklin at Maryland in past happy offenses, who has been a quarterback, who, you know, famously throw the ball for Iowa fans out there. <laughs> what if I threw in that on top of if the two you, blue chip wide receivers? If you give the two blue chip wide receivers, and let's let's, they let's can pick any two. Name, let's put some names on them for for the for the sake of the argument. So let's say okay. it's uh, <sighs> let's say boy, I feel like I need to pull up like the depth chart to like really have a sense of who that would be. I mean, All there's right, the four star guys on the roster are probably like, oh, would Malik McLean, the big transfer, he he's built like a tight end that could be appealing for mm. Iowa. McLean, McLean could be a ooh. Actually, okay. You know what? Okay, hit me. I have, I have a, I have a counter, 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 counter proposal for you. Okay, that okay. I think, I think gets you over the hump. Okay. So let's keep Danny O'Brien there because I really like this idea of pooling off the field assets too. <laughs> let's go. I'm keeping Danny old Cole here because I want to make sure I have that in the back pocket if I need it. Let's go, Danny O'Brien. Okay. This is incredibly niche content. <laughs> and let's. I like the idea of Malik McLean. Okay. Throw Malik McLean in there, and then if you give him Tyler Warren, oh, I'm not giving. I'm not giving. Not anybody listens to our draft podcast knows I'm not giving Tyler Warren. Absolutely not. Not doing it. I I think you can get away with it also with if you go Dinkins. I don't think I'm not. I don't think Cross gets. Iowa doesn't need. Iowa doesn't need tight ends though. They never do. But they're going to use them. I guess. Yeah. If you go Dinkins or Schlafer, you can get Mm. it done. Okay. Okay, I'll do that. I, think, I, I'd do that. I think, I do that. I think that's a deal. Okay, all right. Seems fair. And Pitts, you might a even, you might even get it. a kick. It, you might even get a kick in from the Iowa side at that point. Like they, you could probably get them hey. to like give you like a replacement, like some wide receiver that they won't know how to use that'll end up putting up like eight hundred like yards the season somehow. Yeah, like yeah. Some, something like that. Shout out to Chuck Sizzle. Um, I, yeah, I like I that. I, it solves I the really punting like problem. You started I, there. I'm really worried about specialists. Like straight up, I am like that. That's going to be the thing I'm most. I'm. I'm so happy that Penn State is starting on at home in a night game. Like I don't think the lights get much brighter than that. And I'm glad it's in like a home environment at least. Like I'm glad that you we can rip that bandaid off. You don't have faith in what's his name Riley Thompson. You don't have faith. I do have a lot of faith in Riley Thompson. Like he was a freshman All American last year, but. The rugby style of kicking isn't something we've seen in quite a long time. Like, it just feels like a lot could go wrong. And I think back, oh my God, Nick, what Ohio State game was it where, was it Ohio State-Penn State 2013, like terrible blowout where 
it was just a blowout because the Ohio State punter just kept on pinning them inside like the 15. They couldn't get anything going. And I think the oh, Penn State punter at like the time the... was it, was it Chris Gula was the punter at the time for Penn State. Like it was, like it was it, the game was like fifty one seventeen. Was that yeah. the the absurd a Rob um, run? The absurd a Rob run? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. I just think back to that. Like I will never. That was like such like a transformative moment in my Penn State fandom where I'm like, oh my god, punters are everything. And then we've been so spoiled with Blake Gillikin, um, Jordan Stout, and then Barney last year was great. Like I'm just yeah. the reroll of the dice makes me nervous. I mean that's fair. I I. I, I get I I love I love the idea I love the concept because I think if you can pair if you can pair a uh, all American type punter with this defense that could be pretty nasty so yep. I, I love I love the concept I love Kay. that we started there okay love it because Hunting I did not winning. go I I went much more mainstream with my, you are coward with my picks I I tried to you're make some blockbusters you're out of practice Nick you're out of practice. The, Listen, if the Angels aren't going to trade Otani, we need blockbusters somewhere. I gotta, okay. I gotta fuel that fire. Okay. Okay. Hit, so hit here's, here's here's my initial proposal. And actually, I wouldn't even do. I took in like, like class into into a into a factor here too. Oh wow. Okay. So give me. Actually, know how to say his name correctly. Jerzon. Jerzon Newton. Jerzon Newton. I, knew, I knew you were going to say this yeah. guy. Yeah. I was going to bet give the house Jerzon you were going to say this guy. Illinois defensive tackle, mm-hmm. and I will give to Illinois Theo Johnson, and I will give them Zane Durant. I think mm-hmm. this is a fair deal because Newton's a one and done for Penn State. He's gone after this year. Um, arguably the best best defensive tackle in the country, but it is a one year thing. Theo Johnson. Probably also gone after this year. So that's why I felt like I had to put in Zane as well, because Zane's going to have at least two years. At Illinois, probably more like three, because they're not, he's probably not going to flash as much as far as the NFL is concerned in mm-hmm. that environment. So I think you get a, obviously, a weapon you can use right now, Theo Johnson. And I'm just going to, for sake of argument, I'm going to say Theo Johnson's fully healthy. Um, you get a, You get a dude you can use right now. At a position that's probably more helpful for Illinois to have a big name at than receiver, just because of the way they run their offense, right? And then Isaiah Williams, a... though, good player, that, that yes, converted yes, quarterback yes, yes. who's man, you need a good ball player. Um, and then he gets Andrew, who you know he's not Newton. That's your boy. I do love Zane. That that says a lot about that. I'm willing to give him up here, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously, kid with a high ceiling, probably a at least a decent floor as soon as this year as far as production is concerned and he's going to be surrounded Illinois got a great defense so he's surrounded by other players that will elevate his game I think this is pretty fair what are your thoughts I I don't want to go against Theo in week three Luke Altmaier is a good player but he's going to need a security blanket as a first-time transfer and I don't think there's going to be very many or very very many how do I word this sentence I'm about to say there aren't very many players more reliable than Theo Johnson, I think, in the Big Ten. Like, I think he is going to be a very big security blanket for Penn State's first-time starter. Um, Drew Aller or Bo Perbula, who's to say? Um, and that, that's why I don't think that... I think from a Penn State perspective, like, I get that it's going to be very beneficial, but I think Penn State can cover up a lot of sins on defense with the talent surrounding the guys at defensive uh-huh. tackle. But I think giving up that kind of security blanket with how big of a question mark receivers still are for the Penn State offense. I don't want to give up 
Theo Johnson may be the most known commodity as a pass catcher for this Penn State offense. That's fair. So you're, saying, makes so it you're saying no from the Penn State side. I'm saying no from the Penn State side. I think Newton has a lot of value there. And I think Newton may be like an untouchable player. I think the best player... He might be. He on might an be. Illinois team that won eight games for like the first time in like, what, 25 years? May make it untouchable. So I think you have to blow them away. And I think you can make this deal. I think you can take Theo out. I wonder if you did... Bo Prabula, Trey Potts. That was my first thought. My and first Zane thought Durant. was Bo. Yeah. Bo, Trey Potts, and Zay for Newton. Hmm. I feel like Potts is a uh, it's like a player to be named later in this case. I don't think but, he adds also, all that look, much value. Look what, look what they did with um Chase Bryce though. Um or what I'm sorry, what was his name? Is it Chase Bryce? Chase Brown? Um they're running Chase back. Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Uh, he was a transfer from Western Michigan, and he ran like crazy for them. Yeah, they've done some good stuff with transfer running backs. So that's where this comes into play. But I, is that enough? I would think Potts wouldn't be enough. I think, again, I think it'd have to be Catron in that deal. Okay. Are you doing that? I'm not doing that. So so it was Bo, Catron, and who what was Zane. the last piece? And Zane. Zane. I don't think so. that's too many. That's too many years for a one-year guy. I think. Okay, that's fair. That's a, the I, year thing. You're throwing me off. <laughs> especially when you don't. Especially when good production means their years are shortened. It's not set in stone. Right. Um, but oh boy, it's tempting though because if you add like a, if you add a. Are, again, arguably the best defensive tackle in the country to this Penn State defense. I'm not sure anyone scores on them. Like, what are you going to do against them? If you add Newton to this defense, how do you beat them? The Newton, they, Newton, running the 3-4 really messes me up for Illinois. Like, Illinois' 3-4 defense is so different like than, than anything else I think Penn State's really going to see. And a 3-4 nose tackle is, I think, I think you would agree, Nick, one of the hardest things to do in college football is yeah. to be a 3-4. Is it Vita Vea from the Bucks who does it, like, exceptionally well? Um, yep. There's, like, former very... Husky. there's Yeah, there's very few... Uh, former, maybe future Big Ten uh, <laughs> member alumnus, uh, the Washington Huskies. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. Um, that's what makes it tough, is that the, the, the NSA's crew are going to keep with the 4-3. I, I think they value their edge rushers too much, and I think there's too much talent at that other defensive tackle spot that how do you ship that? Like, I'm sure it's a lot easier to go from a 3-4 a to a 4-3, but the change in defense makes me a little bit concerned on that front. That's a fair point. I hadn't considered that as much as I probably should have. That's a, that's a, that's a good argument. I... I I, I think ultimately the answer to your question is no. I would not do the Bo and Katron and Zane proposal for him, but I also think that's probably a fair ask if you're mm-hmm. Illinois in that case. Okay. You're giving up your best player for a really a potential offense and a replacement for him. So I, yeah, that's a, I think that's a fair I think that's a fair ask. I don't think I'd do that from Penn State yeah. side. Yeah, I think that's what makes it tough. All right, Matt. Second proposal, what you got? Okay, so receivers. I like Penn State's receivers a lot. 
I want to make sure I get in front of that. I think there's talent here. Sure. I need known commodity. Marvin Harrison's untouchable. I'm uh-huh. at peace with that. Uh-huh. So let's flip our focus here to maybe another guy who could be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. Emeka Ibuka. <laughs> this is great because my second proposal is also for Emeka Ibuka. Okay, all right, all right. Do you want to change yours? Should I change mine? What was, like, no, let's, let's do this real time. What was your offer? And I'll tell you what mine would have been. My offer was Curtis Jacobs and KJ Winston. Oh, you're really leaning into the Ohio State defense's fraudulent claims here, Nick. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. I I don't think Ohio State does that. I you know think what mine they, was? I think you'd probably need another long-term piece. I think you need a quarter. I think you need a quarter. Maybe. You can't yeah. give Kalen. I think Johnny Dixon, but that's only one year of eligibility. Curtis is only one year of eligibility. And KJ yep. Winston, I think, is is all American potential in the long term. Oh, that's tough. If Storm Duck hadn't uh, so oddly left, then I think I'd be quick, okay with giving up that? Dixon. Are you crazy high on Cam Miller too as CB three? Like because he was able to force Storm Duck out of here pretty early on. Like I think that means Cam Miller's a better ball player than we're you know thinking he I- might be. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm at the point where if Terry Smith recruits you as a cornerback to Penn State, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you have a bright future ahead of you, um, both because he's proven to be so good at identifying talent and they've proven to be so good at developing that talent. So I'm, yeah, I we knew we knew coming in like he was somebody who, like the the recruiting buzz about him was always like, yeah, maybe he's not ranked as high as some of these other guys, but like, this is a true potential NFL dude. And it, yeah, I, 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 so is I, Cam, so I, I, I say this to say, is Cam Miller part of your offer now? I would Cam be Miller, fine K, with giving up Cam. Yeah. Cam Miller, KJ, KJ Winston, and Curtis Jacobs. For Rebecca Ibuka. I would be okay with that. I think I the think value, that's the best case for everybody. I think the value you get from adding Abuka to this roster helps outweigh the negatives of not maybe just having your um, third and fourth string, you know, everything down that ends up getting downgraded as a result of Lucy Miller. I think it's worth having that downgrade because having just having a dude at receiver would be such a game changer, and it, like he's like Cephas could be that guy. We don't mm-hmm. know yet, but having a surefire dude would be a big deal. Yeah, it'd be huge. What if? All right, let's take. I want to take. I want to take KJ Winston out of there. Okay, let's do Cam as, Miller. As you're talking, I'm going to try to think of one more proposal too, since we both had a Buka. Okay, I'm going to do Cam Miller. I'm going to do Curtis Jacobs, and I'm going to do. Oh. I'm going to do J.B. Nelson. Swing guy. Ohio State needs tackles. He can play guard as well. Could potentially start at guard for Penn State, maybe. Depending on how that battle shakes out with Tenwell. I could see that. How about that? that Mature guy with, I think, at least two more years of eligibility left with the COVID year and the JUCO guy taking the redshirt last year. I think that's fine. Yeah. 
I don't okay. see any. I don't see any issues with that. All right, I think we get there. All right. Boy, I cannot think of what another. I don't even. I can't even. It's really nice when Penn State has a team that seems to be so well built that you struggle to think of who would even be another really meaningful addition. Yeah, first off, being punter for me kind of tells me everything I need to know about what, <laughs> what I expect from this team. You know. I mean, yeah, because if it's not, if it's not receiver. So I'm trying to think, are there any other Big Ten receivers that... I like the Johnson guy from Michigan, Cornelius Johnson. I think he can play. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I like elsewhere. elsewhere Caden Prather? No, I can't. Oh, Down in Maryland? That's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Prather at Maryland's uh, not a bad one. How about... um? Oh, what's the kid's name? The linebacker. This is a really good podcast. The linebacker from Maryland that uh Jay Sean Barham. Jay Sean Barham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That might be an interesting one. I don't think you need a mic. I don't I, Kobe I, I, I don't think a lot they need anything. No, I don't yeah, think they need anything. They're... Yeah. I, I think hmm. the, the the chief needs, I think we hit like a, a stud defensive tackle would be great. A Could stud be. punter would be great. A stud receiver would be great. Everywhere else they're kinda set. I guess you could make an argument that like a truly standout safety would maybe be helpful just, you know, to add like I we, think, we think one they're of, I think I think I think one of the four there. I'm I'm really high on Zaki Wheatley. I think Wheatley's yeah, gonna like, flash I, in, in opportunities this year a lot more than chan- he did last year. Chances He's are well one last of those year. guys is going to be very good and probably multiple of them. But maybe. I guess it, you could argue that maybe you know, maybe we're thinking too big. Maybe it makes more sense to do like a lower level deal just to add a little more safety experience into the room just to mm-hmm. pump it up a little bit, juice it up a little bit. Um, You're Eric Brunlitz. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just got to pick up like Jake Lamb at the trade deadline, you know? Sometimes you just got to do it. You got to pick up Giovanni Soto. You got to pick up... Um, God, who else? No other no-names have been Again, great. this is got, maybe got, the most niche episode we've done in a long time. <laughs> Do you like remembering some dudes? Do you like Immaculate Grid? And do you want to talk roster management? Uh, it's going to be a great entire, year. Just an entire podcast of live solving an Immaculate Grid and talking about it, but no visual component attached to it whatsoever. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. All right. We should do that again because that was yeah, fun. And maybe I like that game. We'll, 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 do, we'll do another round of it after the deadline passes. It, yeah. Perfect. That works for me. Oh, so Nick, boy. I think the only thing we really have to hit on here is going to be maybe realignment. A lot's happened. Yeah, a lot's happened today. Colorado's yeah. back in the Big Twelve. I saw a report from Brett McMurphy of the Action Network that you know they they won an even number of teams. In hindsight, it's wild the Big Ten had eleven teams for as long as they did. That was so weird. <laughs> um, like twenty but years of best, eleven teams. But their best logo, the best, the best logo, logo, was the had. eleven in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's clearly going to be more move. The Big Ten, you have to imagine, is is involved. Like, there's the strength and numbers play of it all. Yeah. Where do you think we're headed? I think it is pretty clear that Washington, Oregon, and most likely Utah are going to end up in the Big Ten, whether that happens in the next couple of days or sometime in the next year. Like, I think it's pretty unavoidable How about the Arizona at this schools? point. Arizona schools, I think, are both Big 12. 
Mm. Um, but you know, it's it's when you, if we're talking about you know additions to the Big Ten, with the exception of Nebraska, again, please, can we just kick Nebraska out? It's just so I hate I hate Nebraska. I hate their fans. I they're 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 not even AAU accredited anymore. The big since the Big Ten is so high and mighty about wanting to stick to that you know member accreditation standard. Can we just get rid of them and get someone more interesting in there instead? But assuming that is still like the you know the check the checkbox you got to mark in order to get a, even a chance at joining the Big Ten, that leaves Duke, UVA, Georgia Tech, Utah, Kansas, Washington, Oregon, UNC, Notre Dame, Stanford, Pitt, and Miami as the schools that I would rank as like. I mean, theoretically, it is possible. I mean, let's There's be honest. Also... The Big Ten's waiting for one domino to fall. Right. But Notre I Dame. don't think they can wait for that. I think they have to make some decisions on, like, like Notre... Washington and Oregon. But can Notre Dame can afford to wait? Probably. You think? I mean, I... So I, I get the Dame... power of the brand. I get. I, also, I think I'm maybe a little bit biased. I live in Chicago, very close to South Bend. Like, there's a lot of Notre Dame influence here. But, like, is, is Notre Dame the brand it was... 30 years ago maybe not nearly as powerful and with the nbc deal the nbc now in bed with the big 10 like it feels like that's a domino that could before we hit the end of the decade that feels very possible yeah i I think the only reason that notre dame doesn't have to be the one to make the first move here is because they I think you know the ACC is always going to be there for them. Like I think that fallback isn't. Will going the ACC anywhere. always be there? It seems like the ACC is going to be okay. It seems like maybe at least in the very short term, like it. It. I mean, the obviously the Pac-12 is going to be a flaming pile of wreckage within the next uh, maybe even year, but it seems like the ACC is okay at least for now. If the Big Ten were to start coaching ACC schools I think that like if UNC or UVA or Duke or Pitt or Miami like if any of those came to the Big Ten then I think it's a different story then I think that's a you know that's the first leak but I I feel like Notre Dame is going to wait for something else and I think it's going to lead to the Big Ten initially adding Washington Oregon Utah and leaving kind of that 20th spot open for now in hopes of getting Notre Dame, and then they'll reassess if they have to. That's my opinion. Okay. All right. Um, I, and then I, just don't, for, I, don't, I don't think they're going to make any moves. Just for reference, yeah. real quick, other schools that are AAU accredited, but they're not coming to the Big Ten for one reason or another, Vanderbilt, Colorado, Arizona, Florida, Texas, Mizzou, USF, Arizona State but they're not coming to the Big Ten for a variety of different reasons. I don't think the Big Ten is going to make any moves until Notre Dame gives them what direction the wind is going to be. That's been the white whale forever. I think you're going to, you're going to, you're going to wait for her. You're going to wait for Notre Dame. So even if... Fair. I mean, do you risk losing Washington, Oregon, and I guess Utah if you want them? I mean, this in, I mean this in the nicest way possible. Where are they going to go? Where are they, where are they going to? Where are they going to go? Like, I, 
the the power brands in college football, like, are any of those three teams, maybe Oregon, in the top ten most valued brands in the sport? Nah. I mean, so, certainly I mean, not Utah. You but... already have maybe three of the top five in Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And if you get Notre Dame, you get four of maybe the top five. Like, yeah. th- that's your white whale. That's what it comes back to for me. Yeah, that's fair. Can I ask a different, more fun question? I'd love to. Who would be the four schools you would add? If I had it my way? Yeah. Um, can I kick people out? Um, let's no, yeah, let's, hold let's ourselves okay. to only kicking out Nebraska. I, I am okay. very okay with kicking out Nebraska in the theoretical okay. situation, but okay. I we'll hold ourselves to that. I'm adding, I'm adding Virginia Tech. I like Blacksburg okay. a lot. I think Virginia Tech culturally fits with the Big Ten. I think it's a very blue-collar, hard-hat, coal-country town. Same vein, <laughs> give me West Virginia. West Virginia should not mm. be in the Big 12. Bring them back here with us. Um, bring them back here in our slop. Um, Penn State needs a a more local rival in the conference with more history than Rutgers or Maryland. Like, I, I just think that's what's something in a Penn State. Um I would not I'm really re- into the idea of inviting West Virginia and not Pitt. Really <laughs> that, into that. Welcome to the part two of that point, Nick. <laughs> and that would also just be very funny. Um, and then I would take, you, well, you can't split up UNC and Duke. Um, I mean, you could. I think Georgia Tech would be interesting. I think if that uh, program ever found the right guy with it, Atlanta booming the way it is, I think that could be a realistic, <laughs> decent program. Um, and then to wrap it up, give me um, Notre Dame. That's the way. Again, I, 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 as a Penn State fan of a certain age, I do not have the same hatred for Notre Dame that a lot of our listeners and colleagues do. Um, I just don't. I just don't have any experience of Notre Dame as like this rival to Penn State. So I, I think Notre Dame would just be very valuable for the conference. The school I like is in, and that's what it comes back to for me. I'm in the same boat as you as far as I don't care about Notre Dame at all. I mean, I guess it's it's funny to see them lose, I guess. I, but I don't like, I don't hate them or anything. Their coach is cool now. I like Marcus Freeman a lot. That's true. It's annoying. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're fun to hate just because they're a fun team to hate. I mean, they're essentially, a, they're like the Cowboys, or they were at least for a long time, like the Cowboys of college football. Mm-hmm. So like that, I mean, that's fun to root against. But um, I would love to so I, I am I, I'm very cool with the idea of Washington and Oregon um, one selfishly so I can see Penn State travel out here and I can go see a Penn State game at Husky Stadium or yeah, I mean I'd go down to Eugene to see that game that'd be fun too but if we're gonna add UW and Oregon I want them to bring Washington State and Oregon State with them yep they have to again you ha- you have very to. selfish mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's very selfish but also like I'd on a similar vein to UNC and Duke, I don't want to break up Washington and Washington State. Like it's a, it's a very it's a very fun rivalry. It's probably not one that people outside of the state really realize how fun it is. It's more like oh, it's the Apple Cup, yeah, I'll flip it on. But it's a very fun rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Oregon State, Oregon is fun, especially because Oregon State is good now. Like Oregon yeah. State is a good they're, football they're, team. They're going to win ten games this fall. And I I'm very much for adding good football teams to the conference. And then, you know, just from a logistical standpoint, I think it behooves the conference to add more West Coast teams. Yep. Now that you've Utah. added UCLA and USC, it just, like, I... Make as, it easy I, on I, those I, kids. 
Yeah, I, I feel bad for the like the USC and UCLA kids who those first couple of years, uh, every week they're going to be, or I guess every other week, they're going to be flying across the country to play football, which like, mm-hmm. I mean, fine, you can do it, but especially like it's like the athletic article about getting to Penn State, like I wouldn't be super hyped about having to fly to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and then, then take drive, a bus what is an it? hour and a half. Yeah, hour and a half to get to snowy state college in the middle of like november like no, no part of that sounds appealing to me as insert california kid here who signed up to play football in los angeles right like, that doesn't doesn't sound like something i'd be interested in doing so i think adding a couple adding more west coast teams i think would be good just to balance that out i'm with you on that front nick i yeah. am aligned nick that's all i got anything that's else all i got for our lovely listeners, I will I will gladly read off uh, the schedule here going forward in the month of August. Our plan is to take next week off uh, just as our own little bye week before we ramp up into the season. And then we will have two weeks of shows every day. We will be in your podcast feed on your YouTube screen uh, from 8-7 until 8-18, Monday through Friday. We're doing the offensive positions that first week defense that second week so that'll be two straight weeks monday to friday of pods every day the following week we have our schedule preview and i mean nick my favorite episode we do every preseason are uh over under prop bets that you won last year and are a coward and running away from it this year um i will bully you into joining me for that podcast win again come back i will happily join we'll do it again and then after that it's game week so we are we are into the end game now we are on on our last legs of this offseason so, Nick, if you will join me again for the uh, for the over under pick, I have a I have already done them. I have done them ahead of time this year. They have been vetted by friend of the pod Stanley. Uh, so uh-huh. I am I am very excited about this year. I have a couple about this offense that I think are really gonna really gonna rack your brain. So I'm excited to do that in a couple weeks here. Okay, if I remember correctly, I did zero prep before last year, so it feels right that I should do zero prep again this year. Yeah, absolutely. Only healthy yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nick, that is all I got. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to do our podcast throughout this month of August and into the season. Uh, hopefully we do some more live shows ahead of games this fall. I'm looking forward to that. Those are always fun. And thank you to the listeners for joining us today for this little podcast. Little, I say we're going on like 50 minutes if my timer's right. Um, I said, well, hey, we'll do a quick <laughs> 25 and here we are. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Be sure to leave a five-star review on your podcast platform choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, whichever one you go out there and you listen to us on, be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe the channel. Uh, leave a thumbs up on the video. Join the comment section. We always have some good lively discussion going on down there. Uh, thank you to our partners at Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. Again, that's promo code Roar, Lions Roar for 15% off your first order at checkout. Nick, anything else? Ah, I'm, I'm ready to get back into it. This is a great, great precursor for what's to come. And what's to come is, of course, the Penn State Nittany Lion football season. For my <laughs> co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Matt Bubbitz. Take care, everyone, and go State. Go State.